0: You know retransitioning we're seeing people move from place to place you know you have to figure with the interest rates being what they are we're not seeing as much um selective moving we're seeing more moving out of necessity and so it's more uh so then that kind of that kind of goes back to how uh, you know if, if it's in an area with really good schools there's still competition there throughout the year
1: welcome to the home buying podcast with marat from the lending group agents grab insights from top industry leaders explore best practices and redefine success stay ahead stay informed and take your real estate career to the next level with marat now let's get started hey guys uh welcome to our um, first time home buyer podcast i have uh benjamin Wright here with me Um, he's an awesome agent out of the Broward Palm Beach, Martin County, Florida area. Um, so we, you know, I wanted to introduce him Thank, thank him for coming out. Uh, and we will uh, chat today about some things that, you know, are real estate and real estate related. Um, so I guess, you know, start off and how how did you get into the, the real estate world? Like what what brought you here? Funny question. So yeah. So hey, everybody, first and foremost,
0: hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, so it's an interesting situation where I've been a realtor or slash strategist now for about six years. And I want to say real estate selected me. Um, I did, you know, I actually was going through a situation where I was actually studying to be a physician, a doctor, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And I literally had like a couple classes left, literally just organic chemistry too. And I believe I had uh, a trigonometry two course left and that was it. And I was going to study for the MCATs. And so that was all I knew. That was all I did. And um, what happened was it just kind of for personal reasons, I ran out of funding and I didn't know what I was going to do as far as it's, it's a really expensive track between when you're, you know, through when you're, you know, out of undergrad, and then when you're about to get into medical school, there's no loans in between. There's loans for, you know, in the in the undergrad department, and then there's med loan uh, and med loans and things like this once you get to medical school. And uh, my my plan was to have a family member, my mom at the time, support me throughout. But she had some personal situations that took place where all of a sudden money stopped coming, and um, I was down in South Florida by myself not knowing how I was going to survive. And so it's an interesting experience where um, I couldn't really study on in medicine anymore because I, I had no funds to do so. And it got real, so to speak. So I had to figure something else out. So I started waiting tables just to stay alive. And that was extremely awkward. Um, it was like I, here I was at a seven year degree and I was you know in this highly intellectual and academia world all the time. And then now, you know, waiting tables and asking people, you know, what kind of what what drink they would like and what kind of salad dressing they would like. And the people around me um, knew that I was kind of alien to it. And it was just interesting. I kept hearing every I kept hearing real estate everywhere I was going. People were talking about real estate or hear something about real estate. And people would even mention to me and say, hey, you know, have you ever considered being a real estate agent? And I was like, "Mm, not really. No, um, I'm a scientist. I'm a, you know, a people person. And um, I'd always I was a personal trainer previous to that, but next thing I know, um, it was one, I'll never forget one Saturday morning, I was kind of trying to figure out where my life was going considering there had been so much unexpected change in a very short period of time. And this Weikert commercial came on, which is really ironic because Weikert's not really even a, a brokerage that's really down here. And so this Weikert commercial came on and everybody in the commercial were crying and they were so happy and elated. That they had just got there that they you know just bought a new home and they were crying and i started crying and you know i thought maybe it was allergies at the time but it ended up turning into being uh you know a calling so to speak i was like hey i guess this is what i'm supposed to do if all i keep hearing it and all i and all i keep you know being told is and and, and everything i read and look at is saying real estate so i started doing some research and started reading about how real estate's the third most luxurious market in the world in florida um, or should I say, Florida is the most third lo- most luxurious market in the world. And so light bulbs started going off. I started having epiphanies and I was like, wait, you know, maybe there's something to this. And so I don't know if you believe in manifestation, but it kind of was like law of attraction. I kind of manifested. So I started studying um, and it was interesting while I was studying, I started getting a little bit, uh, you know, as I was studying for the state exam, I started getting a little bit discouraged because I was like, listen, I was just studying for seven years to be a physician. Now I'm studying to be a real estate agent. And so I remember thinking to myself, you know, am I just going to study things all the time? Like this is kind of crazy. And, uh, while I was studying, I'll never forget. It gets kind of interesting. I started seeing the numbers three, 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 four, 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 and five, five, five every single day, um, in that sequence at that time. And so, um, I guess I kind of had this felt this momentum, like, Hey, I guess this is something I'm supposed to do. And this is my next step in life. And so passed the test. And, um, Kind of hit the ground running and i sold 17 homes in my first year um i've you know been a top producing agent ever since i got here and um you know not even knowing what i'm doing here half the time um i kind of you know i'm a quick learner and, and i love helping people and i love being a part of people's you know you know life in a very necessary way um and so as a personal trainer years before i went to school i learned that you really want to be in you know a necessity not a luxury because that was when we went through the 2008, went through a recession and uh, everybody who wanted to still work with me, couldn't afford to work with me, or I was the the budget cut, if you will, as their personal trainer. And so that's why I studied to be a physician, but then that obviously didn't work out. And, you know, I believe I went through kind of a spiritual awakening um, regarding, regarding real estate. And it's been this kind of whimsical journey.
1: So how did you go from, you know, your first uh, transaction and how did you, you know, get the ball rolling from there? So, um, so I knew that, so
0: basically not being a natural born Floridian, um, and not necessarily being, uh, you know, homogenous, or should I say organic to the, to the area, I knew that I was going to have to start off with leads. Um, and, and I knew that it was going to have, I was going to have to start with, you know, brokers that provided the opportunities. And so it's actually kind of ironic. Um, I was literally, you know waiting tables as i said to survive um kind of still kind of in this in this hybridized world of like i thought i was going to be a physician still having a lot of that in my mind to now saying okay i guess i'm going to apply all the years of customer service and you know years of, of working with people um and so i pretty much signed up with uh, a company called robert slack find homes and um, they are one of the biggest teams in Florida, and they're all about uh, converting online leads. And so I pretty much, you know, met everybody through Realtor.com, um, and it was high flying, high volume. I literally, within my first week, had like six to I think well, somewhere between six and nine showings. And so I told my employer at the time, um, I said, "Look, I said, you know, I got to kind of, t- I really appreciate this opportunity." Um, I really thank you so much for you know for hiring me and you know allowing me to work here. But I kind of have to just take this, I, I kind of have to just believe in myself and just go for it. And so I literally quit the I gave them two weeks, but they were like, just it's okay, just go. We we know we get it. Um and so I I gave them two weeks, but I just started showing homes right away. Um and within my first, I want to say 30 to, to 45 days, I went under contract on about 1.3 million. Um, and literally was writing contracts where i knew the basics and i knew what how to protect people i knew what to what you know what i needed to make sure of to make sure nobody was exposed or anything like that but that was about all i knew um and i just relied on myself you know loving helping people and you know giving everything i had to people um and that's how i was able to you know start you know being productive if you will right from you know week 3 to 4 um and so it's been this interesting experience where I've just grown exponentially as far as you know experience and um you know and and uh and for even with perception um and even maturity i mean being a you know real estate agent is not what everybody thinks it is on you know on HDTV you know you really have to mature and you really have to learn you know how to work you know consistently and diligently and be disciplined um and so you know, that's really, I've learned a lot of skills. I've become a much stronger person and, you know, throughout this process. And I love the people I work for and I give everything that I have and create, you know, the ultimate, you know, experience for them in everything that I do. Um, And so it becomes this kind of mutual path where I guide them home um, and they become a part of who I am. And so I believe it's, you know, something bigger than just real estate. Real estate is just kind of the pathway
1: And kind of you know the industry in which it takes place, if you will. Gotcha. Well, and to your point, how does like let's say I'm a buyer, a seller, right? And how do I differentiate, or how do you recommend to differentiate from agent to agent? Someone that only knows maybe the basics versus someone like yourself now who's seasoned, Mm -hmm. who's seen, you know, hundreds of transactions and have done so many transactions under their belt. And has seen a lot of the things. And you know, we we never see everything, right? There's always like yeah. the, the fun part about our industry, whether it's mortgage or real estate, every every day or at least once a week, something new happens, right? <laughs> of course. You yeah, think you've yeah. seen it all, but you haven't. So how does one differentiate between the two?
0: I think that's a great question. I mean, I think that um, you know, I think that, that you want an agent that is obviously going to work well with you, understands who you are as a buyer or a seller, and what it is that you need. Um, and I think that, you know, it's a matter of them having some transactional experience. I mean, I would not have said this, in, you know, I, I probably would have frowned upon this if somebody had said this in my year one. Um, but what, what in the first couple of years, the transactions were very oscillatory, and they were very unstable, because I didn't understand, I didn't know all the ins and outs. And, you know, there's a lot of Aspects of this where you have to speak to multiple people. It's not just, you know, it's not just working for a buyer or a seller, but I have to know how to coordinate a title company well. I have to know how to coordinate the lender very well and have to, or if a lend if a mortgage is involved. Um, and you know, also how do you keep other people in the transaction like the other agent, you know, motivated and inspired to want to give us a price reduction or give us a credit if needed as you go through inspection. So you know, I think that you want kind of the um a kind of a all-in a kind of a comprehensive individual that gets all the phases understands all the factors and so they can bring to you the experience that you need whether you're buying and selling depending upon whatever market that you're in um and then somebody who really you know becomes an extension of you in that in that transaction and really has your back and, and I think another part of it is you want to work with a successful agent. You know, you want to work with somebody who is established because you don't want money to be a, a motivating issue. You don't want, you know, a lot of agents that don't, that that haven't sold a lot of properties or worked with a lot of purchases, you know, they're struggling financially. And I know that that plays a big role in how they're going to guide a person. You know, they may try to push them or they may try to, you know, um, you know, suggest that they do something that, you know, that really doesn't, isn't really for their best interest, but the agent, you know, wants the transaction, you know, or wants, um, you know, wants the the contract to go a certain way or be a certain way. So, you know, you definitely want to work with somebody who is um, altruistic and selfless and really puts, you know, you as a buyer or you as a seller as the main focus and as the main forefront of what guides the transaction what guides all the dynamics of that transaction
1: awesome that makes sense and you think that that's like a a gut feeling or like a feel or can you do some research i mean obviously you can see how many you can research how many transaction the agent has and yeah. then i guess as you're interviewing agents uh you know what once you get that relationship right i think that that's mm-hmm. very important once you feel yeah. That someone is looking out for you, like you said, and and mm-hmm. and and they're putting your best interest first, um, is that kind of like the feeling that you you get, and then you go with that agent? Is that would you know?
0: Yeah, I would. I would say so. I mean, I would say I would say you don't need to work with the agent in the area that has the most transactions per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think as long as a person has has a track record of transactions on a consistent basis. And as long as that you feel like that person, you know, understands what you're trying to achieve and, you know, is going to make sure that, that that becomes the focal point of where the purchase or where the sale goes um, is really is really a part of it. As far as, you know, if you're listing a property, if you're selling a property, you know, you want to have a, you want to have a, you know, you want to be able to listen to the agent. It's really important, um, you know, there's a very small window when you go to list a property of where you're the jewel of the, of the, you're the jewel in everybody's eyes on the market, where, you know, there's only a seven to 10 day window period where you really want to try to get under contract within that small little golden period. Um, You know, once a listing is sitting on market for 21, 30 days, it kind of becomes an old listing, especially in the South Florida region and especially in general. Um, And you actually tend to kind of become a little bit more vulnerable. And so, you know, there's definitely some key aspects you want to become a true, you know, team with your agent and not just pick somebody who's going to just do whatever you tell them to do, but you want to find, you know, a complementary, you know, figure that really, you know, you two can guide and work together to, you know, use, utilize the agent or the strategist's perspective of the market with the specific and personable needs of the customer or client simultaneously and synergistically in a powerful manner
1: yeah no awesome and i, I was actually going to ask it's not necessarily to look for an agent that just does what you tell them to do because okay. that may not always be beneficial um and you want someone that's um upfront and transparent and may tell you something that you don't want to hear and i know that that's a tough balance for whether it's mortgage professionals or real estate professionals, because you're afraid of losing that deal if you mm-hmm. tell someone what it is. And that goes, again, to what you said a few minutes ago, where if you have someone that doesn't have as many transactions under their belt, and it's a money motivating or fear, the money is yeah. it's a fear, then you may not get that that information from the agent. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Uh, well, maybe switch gears a little bit to the market. What are you seeing in terms of uh, inventory? What are you seeing in terms of buyers? Um, Is it a micro neighborhood type of environment right now? That's what I'm hearing in the industry. What do you see? So, yeah, so I think that it always is. So I I believe that, um, you know,
0: markets always are in, always, you always have a macro perspective and a micro perspective from an ecological standpoint. Um, and so you always want to look at both aspects. You always want to look at, for example, you want to look at the home, like if we're going to focus on Palm Beach County, you can look at how home growth is still proceeding at 10 to 13% single family homes, kind of like it was, uh, kind of like it always has traditionally. And so, you know, yes, there's been a little bit of leveling off, so to speak, from the last few years, the supply and demand has balanced out a little bit. However, it then it goes into the micro perspective of what neighborhoods. You're looking in, or what area you're looking in. For example, um, to to look at Broward, if you're in Cooper City, for example, there's a very high per, uh, percentage of A plus homes. I'm gonna have I should be taking on a listing there in the next probably few weeks to months, depending upon when I can find a house for the the people that are downsizing up here in Palm Beach. And you know they have people knocking on their doors uh, trying to to buy their house because there's not enough homes in that area. For people that would like to be would like to have children that go to the schools in, the, in, the, in that area, um, so and that's a
1: driving force in Cooper City, the school district.
0: Absolutely, that's. I think that's a. So I think that if you were to slice <clears throat> South Florida, South Florida is this small little geographical, you know, slit along along the coast, right? Um, you know, we're we're nestled in between the Everglades and the ocean, right? And so if you were to cut that down, that if you were to you know kind of dissect that into two pieces. You know, you have family oriented markets and you have travel associated markets. Right. And so in a just to kind of keep it in a basic world. And so the travel markets have slowed way down. You know, we don't see the same. We, we're not seeing the same. Like if you were to look at condos on the coast, you will see a much higher inventory than you saw a couple of years ago. Um, and however, if you were to go into certain areas where it's school based or family based, such as. Boca Raton or Wellington or Parkland, for example, you know, we are seeing very, we're seeing some of the same situations that we saw back in 2019, 2020, not nearly as aggressive, not nearly as, as, you know, as inflated, if you will, where you're seeing people spending, you know, you know, 10 to 20, 30, $40,000 or more above list price. However, we're still seeing multiple bid situations. You know, you, we're still seeing, you know, you know, properties going under contract, you know very quickly however what makes it a little bit more balanced is that now it has to be about price there isn't as many there isn't as many cash buyers out there um there isn't as many you know because a lot of a lot of what was occurring years ago was that you had you know, you not only had cash, more cash in, in, you know, kind of influxing and, you know, penetrating into the markets more than ever, but it was foreign cash from other parts of the country or other parts of the world. And so now that's slowed down a little bit and we're seeing some of that still. However, we're seeing a lot of, you know, retransitioning. We're seeing people move from place to place. You know, you have to figure with the interest rates being what they are, we're not seeing as much um selective moving. We're seeing more moving out of necessity. And so it's more uh so then that kind of that kind of goes back to how, you know, if, if it's in an area with really good schools, there's still competition there throughout the year. Um and we're, if we're in, you know, some areas where it's travel associated, where there's always been low inventory, such as in Wellington, for example, near the equestrian areas, um, there's still very, very low inventory, uh, even to this day. And, you know, as we know the other part of it is is that we can all, builders can of like Lennar um, and Minto. They can only build in certain areas. There's only certain areas where there's even availability of new construction, and so that plays a big role. You know, you have you know certain areas such as um, West Boca, um, and in certain areas such as um, even in other parts of Northern Broward where you where there still is very low inventory, high drive. And so ever more, ever more so than ever, there is definitely micro pockets um, because you even have, you even have some areas like, for example, in Lake Worth, which are now starting to grow and are now starting to boom where before pandemic, you know, people would kind of grunt and grumble. If you say Lake Worth, they'd be like, oh, that's not really where I want to go. However, there's affordable living now in Lake Worth where you can get into a single family home with a pool and a nice size yard for still 650 you know, are under seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and so that's you know
1: that that's not affordable living. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that everywhere I look. I mean, I even, I even, it's it's really ironic. I mean, I'm even looking. I do a lot of little investing too, and I would just got. I was just looking up in Martin County to find affordable areas where I could look to invest or look to, you know, have investments for a wide range of people. And even there, you're seeing the average rate of a single family home is in the high fives now, and in the sixes. And so, yeah, there's really no affordable living has now become what a couple of years ago, we would have considered, you know, high, high luxury living. So yeah, no, for sure. it's interesting.
1: Yeah. And so if you're if we're seeing, you know, if people are driven by schools, right. And you're, you were saying that, less and less individuals are uh, moving out of luxury. They're moving out of necessity, right? So our, right. Yeah. do you think we lost that step-up buyer? Is that buyer that's going from their first home to maybe their, maybe not the forever home, but in between, is that no longer in the market? And that's what shrinking the supply or the, the amount of inventory? I think mean, that's a that's a phenomenal question, Rod. Um, that's a great question. It makes me have to
0: think in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. And that is that, you know, I think that there are some, I think it's definitely, I think the interest rate has, 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 has limited to where, where I think the interest rate and the the overall market apprehension of what's to come next, I think has kind of put a tampering down of where I think, you know, a couple of years ago, we were seeing a lot more of that go on where there were people that were stepping up from, you know, $400,000 townhomes to six hundred fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars single family homes, yeah. and I think that now again it goes back to necessity. If they if they've had two or three kids in the last few you know few years and they're waking up with you know with 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 you know with Power Rangers you know in places they shouldn't and in toys that are you know <laughs> yeah. you know if they're in an in a, in a house where they just can't live and they're driving themselves crazy, then they're willing to you know to pony up and do what's needed to go move into a bigger home, even with the interest rates being what they are, but I think we're seeing a lot of people that are holding off and waiting and or are enjoying the the last mortgage that they obtained at the price that they obtained it at. And so I think there's a kind of a balancing effect taking place there. And that's why the inventory has gone up in certain areas is I think that, you know, you're not, you're not we're not seeing as much movement as we did previously. And we see a lot of people pausing and waiting for more idealistic conditions for sure.
1: Got it. Awesome. And are you seeing anything from the seller side, like any kind of, um, you know, credits, or is it, uh, or you know, or maybe even reductions? Are you seeing any of that? Yeah. Maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: As a seller, right now, you have to be. You have to be market aware. You have to be. You cannot just. for the moon you cannot just put prices out there that you want to um you have to be willing to understand what the buyers are going through um we've seen a lot of and you've probably seen this in the mortgage world too we see a lot of new roofs going on before a house is even is even you know being listed for example yeah. uh i haven't had any of the sellers that i've worked with do that yet because it just hasn't been necessary but we see that quite a bit where we're seeing you know as a, a one of the preparational aspects to consider When you're selling your home now is to put a brand new roof on it because of you know the insurance situation that's taking place and also because of there being more competition in the market you don't want that to be something that's being overlooked so absolutely um i think from a buying standpoint we're seeing where you know buyers are willing to get a little bit more negotiate they're able to get a you know more negotiations in place able to get a little bit more of uh, what they need out of the transaction and absolutely you know contraindicatively from the seller standpoint, we're now seeing that it—you know—you have to be a little bit smart about what price you're listing it at and what you're willing to do to get the buyer under contract, because there isn't as many buyers out there, and there surely is not as many cash buyers as there were two
1: years ago. So, absolutely. Okay, so for, if I'm a buyer and you know, I'm, and I am looking for a school district or whatever, whatever the case may be, what would you recommend? Maybe two or three things that I should prep myself with or or get ready when I'm buying to make me a strong candidate and not still have to go through maybe, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12, 15 offers. And I, and I know maybe that's a little bit um, exacerbated at this point, but I feel like buyers are still um, putting, putting out, you know, four or five offers before they go on their contract. What do you see? Um. Yeah. So I think that some buyers like to put out you know,
0: ten to fifteen or twenty offers. Some buyers don't mind it. Um, so some of the nicest people in the world work me the hardest. I always say, but um, but <laughs> but outside of that, outside of that, um, you know, you know, there's a lot of things. I think that the first, if if there's a so if there's a mortgage involved, I think that it's working that out, getting that. Getting you know the TBD underwriting in place just like it was a couple of years ago. Getting the underwriting process started, you know, so that that way your your loan contingency program can be really short. Um, you know, your loan approval period can be really shortened. Um, making yourself as competitive as pro- as as possible is is key. Um, you know, um, I think is a, is a, is a big part of that. Um, and understanding the market that you're going into, you know, making sure that you're looking at the MLS and making sure that you're understanding what the true market conditions are, rather than just inserting yourself into it in a way, the way that you want to insert yourself into it. You know, too often than not, I see, I see a lot of buyers that, you know, that, that are very aggressive in their offers or, you know, want everything to be a certain way. And those are the ones that tend to to, to struggle, so to speak. Those are the ones that tend to put out 10 to 15 or 20 offers, you know, listen to your real estate agent. I mean, you hired that person for a reason, you know what I mean? And you know, work put, and I know that that suits me to say that, but it's so true. You know, if you're working with the right person, we're only going to guide you the right way. We're going to tell you things to make it, to make this easier for you. And I mean, that's really, um, you know, anything that can make the process, you know, less complicated and, you know, like having the, the, the loan paperwork put together, already being in underwriting, you know, you can also do things such as, you know um if you have if you can get creative if you have a brokerage account or if you have you know a family member that has cash laying around that's willing to use their pre-approval you can always do a cash offer and do mortgages behind the scenes if you do it the right way um if you structure it the right way and you have to make sure that you're not you know you got to protect yourself and make sure that whatever the price is for example that you know it's going to appraise so that that way you don't have any issues there um and so forth but Yeah. I mean, the more creative you can get, the more um, organized you are, I think are a lot of, uh, you can really come into the market and really kind of dictate what you want, how you want it, because you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to stand out from the crowd and um, and then pick an agent. That's that knows how to talk to other agents and knows how to wheel and deal and knows how to, you know, get you the best deal that you can possibly get the best value that you can possibly get. A lot of times, I'll have a conversation with other agents where it's already negotiated before the offer is even sent, and you know it's it's a it's a price that I know the buyers are happy with, and it's a price that the sellers can live with, and it makes it a really smooth, really simple process. And you know, within a couple of weeks, we're ready to we're we're already ready to close. And so there's a lot of ways to be masterful about it, and and take it to a whole other level if you allow the person you hire and your mortgage broker and everything come together in a really kind of um, strategic and uh, you know kind of unmatched level, if you will.
1: Awesome. And just yeah. to elaborate a little bit on some of the things that you pointed out. so the 2BD underwriting, which you know maybe not everybody knows what that is, uh, you know we obviously I have that in-house program here where we take all of the income, we take all of the asset, we take the credit review. And we actually run it through underwriting. So it's not a prequal, it's not a pre approval, it's one step further. The underwriter has seen all of your documents, they've agreed, they've issued a conditional loan approval, and now we're just waiting to pick the property. And then the other item, which you also pointed out, which it works very well, is if you have enough money to put down maybe 20, 30, 25%, and sometimes we can get what's known as an appraisal waiver, where we don't have to have a full appraisal. Um, then in that situation, uh, we can c- combine that with the 2BD underwriting approval and issue a same as cash pre-approval. And I think you and I have done that in the past. Yeah uh and and it really suited the buyer because yes they're getting a mortgage and yes it's disclosed they're getting a mortgage but their offer is same as cash and they don't have a financial contingency they don't have an appraisal contingency so essentially like you said the the uh closing date is is shorter the commitment dates are shorter and it it puts them in really a good spot
0: yeah. Uh-huh. And it also allows them to, it also to elaborate too. It also allows them to, to, if there's no other competition, it allows you to really negotiate a much better price. Yeah. You know, and if there, if there is, if there isn't any competition and if there is competition, it allows you to, then to beat out the competition. So it allows you to kind of, you have a lot more, I don't want to say, I, I hate to use the word control, but you do. I mean, you have a lot more influence on on where the transaction goes and there's not as many variables that can, you know, dismay or
1: dissuade, uh, you know, the progression of, of the, the transaction itself. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. What about if I'm a seller, right? So what can I do? How can I prepare myself as a seller uh, whether I'm in, in that super hot area or maybe I'm just like in a medium area. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are the three best things you recommend when you're going to listing them? Um, so there's three,
0: the, I would say that the three best things I recommend is one to, um, market your property in an atypical fashion. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of always the case, but even more so in today's market, you know, um, one of the things that I'll do is, is we'll do, I I do coming soon a lot. I'll put out the property. I'll make sure. Yeah. I I put out the property long before, like it's up to about 21 days before you're going to actually list the property. Um, and so, you know, you kind of get a market test. You kind of get an idea because people that are looking in those areas, you'll start to get some traffic. You'll start to get some phone calls, Um, so I highly recommend doing the coming soon. And then the first, the literally the first couple of days, time it out to where the first day or so that you're on the market is a weekend where you can have an open house. And a lot of times, if, as long as you're priced accordingly and and there is a demand for the property, a lot of times that's how I'm able to sell a house within less than three to four days. I mean, and, and make it seamless where you're not, you don't have a lot of showings. You don't have a lot of floor traffic. You don't have a lot of people coming in um where for example with the open house we'll do a raffle sometimes we'll do you know have you know drinks and or refreshments should i say um and you know maybe some hors d'oeuvres and really make the property stand out i mean if you you know especially it depends on how much you're willing to do what the condition is of the property for example if you need to put a roof on a house or if the house if the roof is towards the end of lifespan and you know you see in your area that you can that there's a range in the comps the comparable sales where you can make a little bit more per se or a little bit less I, by you know give or take 15 to thirty thousand. i highly recommend you know doing the roof putting a brand new roof on the house and so one you'll stand out from the crowd and two you know the buyers won't have any issues obtaining insurance and so it's going to be a especially in today's climate those are definitely some things that i highly highly recommend um is you know it's you know staging everything and setting up everything and, and and then pricing it pricing it low is something i really and i know that that sounds counterintuitive but you know the more i again you have this really small window of where your property is the golden goose if you will of the market and so you can never list a property too low it's kind of an interesting thing because you'll always have you know either multiple offers or an offer that's at around market price if you go low if you go too high um you can you you can sit out there and become an older listing and, and you know and and all of a sudden you know all of a sudden you're coming down the price is coming farther and farther down to where it's actually lower than where you you may have been able to sell for ten to twenty thousand dollars higher if you had gone lower from the beginning rather than higher and then have to go lower later so you know, those are definitely, you know, if you if you put those into the into a combination of how you list the property, one, you're you're going to stand out from the crowd. Two, you're going to you're going to sell within a matter of days. Sometimes I've had properties, especially even within the last year, we went on coming soon. There was somebody looking in the neighborhood. You know, we let them we let them. You're not supposed to let people in the property while it's coming soon, but you know, you let the second you you can change it from you know coming soon to active, or you know that you are. You have that person come in. I had it. I had a property up in West Palm that sold for seventeen thousand dollars
1: above list price within less okay. than twenty four hours. That way, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um. Well, let me ask you this: as we're kind of getting uh, closer to wrapping up, where do we find you? How can we get a hold of you? What? Are, what's the best way?
0: <laughs> well, best way to find me is is either through my website, real estate agent Ben. Uh, uh, dot com or uh you know obviously email youragent@ben.com um or contact me through zillow. I actually have to kind of admit something and that is I'm not a social media person so it's something that I'm I'm really going to be working on in the next year to uh to 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 kind of bolster up but you can also reach I am on Facebook. I you know I just I just am terrible with social media. It's not something that is natural to me. Um so through through you obviously they can you know contact me as well. Um and so but yeah through my website um, online through, you know, through Zillow, through real, realtor.com is another way. Um, and so, you know, I'm out there if you're looking for me and, uh, you know, every time somebody brings that up, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta get on
1: that social media thing. I gotta work on that. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get the QR code. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. Awesome. Man. Well, is there anything else you want to add to, to whether you're a buyer or seller, any, any last words of wisdom, so to speak? No, I mean, I think that you know I, I think it it really I, last words of wisdom
0: would just be you know um you know selects you know I don't always go with you know what one of the things I've learned is is that there's a lot of heart and a lot of love and compassion in the kind of the middle ground of agents that aren't a big machine aren't a you know that have like there's a lot of there's a lot of agency a lot of agents and agent teams that do hundreds of transactions out there and they have you know a whole team of people and stuff and what I've realized, what I've what I've seen is they lose touch. They they're not as efficient sometimes with with you know their their, their hands aren't on everything, um, and so you kind of have to work with this person when it comes to this situation or that person when it comes to another situation. Which there's no you know I'm not I'm not biased. Sometimes that's the great fit, but really find an agent that works best for you and somebody that you know is really somebody you connect with and who's going to create the best transaction with you. So there's kind of a balancing there where you don't you want a, you know an agent that has transactional experience but you're not necessarily going for you know the, the number one agent in the entire area Uh, because there's benefits of both worlds. And so just kind of understand it based on what you're looking for. If you want that hands-on experience, if you want, you know, somebody who's going to really get to know who you are, you know, you really are looking for more of that balanced middle middle ground. And then there's benefits of working with, you know, the elite agents, they have certain that are on the top of the, you know, do hundreds and hundreds of transactions. You know, they may have some resources that others don't. Um, But I've seen in my experience where, agent the top agent in the region actually sold a home lower than what i did because they they were just they just look at it from a statistical standpoint a numerical standpoint they don't really understand how they can become more customizable um and personable so again you know it's really a matter of finding the fit for what you need out of that transaction
1: and letting the agent take it to the highest level possible from there awesome man well i appreciate you making it out um you know, those of us that are listening, I I think you put in uh, a lot of good information into the world and and into hopefully their minds and and heads. And so, um, as always, man, appreciate you coming out. Um, And guys, Ben's awesome. So if you're in Broward, Dade, Palm Beach County or Martin County uh check ben out and soon he'll be on social media
0: <laughs> yeah someday i'm getting there i'm getting there i promise <laughs> coming <to> social
1: media <laughs> soon i
0: promise guys All right, <laughs> man, take care appreciate it no, you too Murat. thank bye. you so much bye
1: that's a wrap for today's home buying podcast with marat from the lending group real estate agents keep thriving and stay ahead with expert guidance from marat join us again next time and together let's build a successful real estate future